Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Welcome to the Fitter, Healthier Dad podcast, where you can learn how to improve your diet, lose fat, and get fitter in a sustainable and fun way without spending hours in the gym. Here is your host, Darren Kirby. This is episode 18 of the Fitter, Healthier Dad podcast. In today's show, we are going to be talking about routines and how you're able to do more by incorporating exercise and healthy eating into your daily lives when you have simple routines. Joining me on the podcast is John Lamerton, who is also known as the Routine Machine. John has recently written a book on being a routine machine. Hi, John. How are you? Thanks for joining me on the show. Very well, Darren. Thank you for having me. Not a problem at all. So yeah, I'm excited to get into the topic of routines because um, to some people it might sound a little bit boring and tedious, but actually I think once you've got them um, set out in your lives, um, they just become unconscious and you're able to do more. Absolutely. I think my, my task for today is to change the opinion of people who believe that routines are boring and monotonous and not for me. Um, and, and you mentioned in, in the intro there that I've been called a routine machine. I've also been called the king of routine. And as my wife calls me, the routine freak. So uh, I am very passionate about routines and I'm Good. hoping to prove today they're not boring and they're not monotonous. No, absolutely not. So before we get into all things routines, can we get a little bit of background on yourself and how you have become the king of routines? Yeah, definitely. So I, I, I really shouldn't be sat here today talking to you. It's um, I trained as a civil servant. Uh, that was going to be my career. Uh, I was going to get a nice, safe, secure job, um, get married, have children, relax. That was that was my life. And yeah. I somehow hated my job. After about six years of being a civil servant, I hated my job with a passion and I needed to escape. So I ended up um, teaching myself how to run businesses. Um, My my very first business was an internet marketing company. Uh, Despite me knowing nothing about marketing, uh, nothing about running a company and not having access to the internet. Right. So just a few barriers to entry. But I, I picked up a copy of Internet Marketing for Dummies perfect for me and I worked through the book and I just taught myself what I needed to do okay fast forward two decades and I've been running lots and lots of small businesses um I've been involved in more than 60 small businesses now and in 2017 I wrote my first book big ideas for small businesses which was my blueprint for how to run a successful small business um I went on a podcast tour um, back in 2017, talking about the book and talking about the success that I'd had. Yeah. And I was on this one podcast in the US and we were talking about, well, why have you been successful? What exactly have you done that most people don't do that's led to the success? And a lot of what we talked about was, oh, actually, I do this every single day. First, th- first thing in the morning, I do this. And mm-hmm. I send this email every Wednesday. And every third Friday, I do this. And this sales letter goes out in March every single year and every Christmas I do this and we everything we were talking about was and I do this regularly and I do this habitually and I do this every single day without fail and the host said to me John I think for you the routines are key yeah you're like the king of routine and immediately I went oh oh I'm having that king of routine (laughs) yes that is that's me so I I went back to our our coaching clients and i said right you are to now to refer to me as the king of routine you will bow at the throne of the king of routine right <laughs> and it just snowballed from there uh, a week later i received a package in the mail from one of our coaching clients and it was a t-shirt he runs a t-shirt printing company and it was this right. t-shirt was in the style of the front cover of my first book wow emblazoned with the words king of routine a uh, little Fantastic. crown on it so i, I put this t-shirt on and it just snowballed from there i ended up then thinking okay this is probably gonna turn into a book so it started off first of all i let a few people know i talked about it on a couple of podcasts right then it turned into a 60 minute keynote speech that i did and then i thought well if i've written the keynote speech i've written the slides the slides are kind of chapters this could be a book 
Um, yeah. I went on holiday with the intention of, okay, I'll take my journal with me. If I can fill four pages of my journal with ideas, I will write the book. And okay. One morning I sat there by the pool with a couple of cappuccinos and I come up with 10 pages of notes. So I thought, okay, this has got to be a book. Um, so yeah, two years after standing on stage at my first book launch, proudly announcing I am never writing another book, uh, <laughs> I, I'm here now pushing my second book. <laughs> Fantastic. Yeah, that's amazing. I think, um, yeah, I think like you were saying earlier there, you know, routines are very difficult actually when you first start with them. But once they become habitual, um, it just becomes second nature and it does make such a massive difference um, to your life. And I'm, I will be the first to admit, actually, that um, whilst I might say all of this, I'm the world's worst at getting into that habit. But once I've done it, yeah. um, it's fine. And, and I have a morning routine and, you know, this, these routines actually help me so much to be able to, you know, run the businesses that I do and still to, you know, to uh, be able to train. Absolutely. So is, is there any, do you think that there's any science behind building routines, John? What, what would you say, you know, how did you really start with routines or was it just habitual? Did you just naturally fall in to start building well, routines? Well, I, th I think I fell into it um, because until that podcast host said to me how important routines were to me, I don't think I was aware yeah. of how important routines were to me and how much emphasis and importance I place upon routines. Um, there is definitely science to it. And again, it took me a while to realize this. It was only when writing the book for Routine Machine that I referred back to, um, are you familiar with uh, the chimp paradox, Dr. Steve Peters? Yeah. So uh, Dr. Peters yeah. says that there's, there's three parts of the human brain. There's the, the chimp part of the brain, which is where, what makes um, emotional decisions. There's the human part of the brain that makes logical decisions. Sorry, my phone's just ringing. <laughs> I should have turned that one off. And there's the there's the computer part of the brain which handles the automatic decisions. So, the the human part of the brain makes logical, rational decisions. The human part of the brain knows that eating healthily is a good idea. It knows that yeah. getting regular exercise is a good idea. It knows that having a low stress life is a good idea. But the chimp brain knows that milkshakes taste good and burgers taste good yeah. and watching Netflix is yeah. good. And what happens is either the chimpanzee brain or the human brain will program your computer. And the computer is what does things automatically. The computer takes care of the routines. It follows scripts. That's all it does. And yeah. you have a choice. Either the chimp brain programs the computer, in which case we automatically go and have a McDonald's for lunch and we automatically mm -hmm. veg out in front of Netflix at night or the human manually programs that computer to say, we go to the gym every morning and I prep my lunch every, every lunch. I prep, prep every lunch each Sunday for the entire week. And it's that science behind it, which I didn't realize how important it was at the beginning. And it's just, it's only when I wrote the book that that realized what important that was. And it, made that again that logical case for what i emotionally and automatically now do yeah yeah i mean that that yeah that that makes perfect sense run through again those three areas of the brain because a lot of people listen to this might not if they've not read the chimp paradox they might not quite understand exactly what that is but it when you break it down logically it makes sense it does absolutely so yeah once again you you've got the human part of the brain and this is where you make your rational logical decisions now the human part of the brain takes a little bit longer to make a decision okay it's yeah I, I can't remember the exact numbers but it's something like four times as slow as the chimp brain which is why right when you get cut up in traffic the chimp brain the bit that goes ah emotional decision i'm gonna i'm gonna kill that guy because he just pulled in front of me um, that's the chimp automatically making that decision and going, ah, I've got this because what the chimp wants to do is keep you safe. And he's gone, there's a threat here. Yeah. This guy tried to kill you by getting in front of you, or this person is ahead of you in the social standings. So the chimp makes that very yeah. quick 
but very emotional decision. And that's where we end up making the decisions that we know are not good. That's where we end up having that slice of cake or we end up deviating to the fast food restaurant or we end up deciding it's a bit cold outside so actually we won't go to the gym today or it's raining so we won't go for a run. That's the chimp going, oh, we better not. It's that very quick emotional decision. And I think a lot of what you need to do to become a routine machine is ask the chimp to be quiet and just allow the human to take over. And all that is is just noticing. So when you get cut up in traffic next and you go, I'm going to get that guy, just stop yourself and go, ah, (laughs) that's the chimp driving. And we need to let the human have control of the wheel. And the the third part of the brain then is that computer which is it runs automatic scripts. So the computer already handles tying your shoelaces. Okay, you, you, you would expend no cognitive effort tying your shoelaces, brushing your teeth, yeah. cutting your trousers on in the morning. Yeah. You, these are complex things when you actually think about it. If you watch a, a two-year-old trying to put trousers on or tie shoelaces, yeah. they're hard things to do. But now you do them on autopilot, you do them automatically and Everybody already has routines. There are millions and millions of things that you already do every day, every week, every month on autopilot without any conscious effort or without thinking about it. And this is the computer. This is the human part, the the computer part of the brain handling things for you. And this is what routines do is they outsource the important stuff to automation to happen without you needing to consciously think about it. Yeah. And I think, you know, like you say, we go through thousands of these routines every day, but we don't think about it. It's all done unconsciously. And the other point you said there, you know, about a two-year-old, that's all the stuff that, or the majority of it is, is the stuff that we learn as we're growing up as children. And so then when we, when we become adult, to then start to you know, implement new routines actually feels like it's really tough. But it's no more tougher, if you like, than when you were two trying to learn how to walk or the rest of it. You know, it's just about getting that so consistent that it does become unconscious. Exactly. Everybody says, you know, you have children, get them into a routine. Routines are really important for children. Oh, kids love routine. Kids crave routine. So why then, the minute we're an adult, do we go, (laughs) routines aren't for me? No, 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 no. I hate routines. (laughs) Yeah, routines are probably good for you too. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So the other thing that you talk about is this thing called mm. a circadian rhythm. So what, what exactly so is when that? When we were all cavemen and cave women, we had jobs to do. And majority of the job was to protect the camp and to hunt for food, to hunt and gather. And if everybody woke up at the same time and went to sleep at the same time, then the camp would be unguarded for about eight hours a day. Um, What the circadian rhythm enabled people to do is to overlap. So you would have your early birds who would rise with the sun at 4 or 5 a.m., depending on, obviously, sunrise times. They would be up very, very early um, foraging. They would be looking for food very early in the morning. They would then go to bed well before sunset or around sunset, mm-hmm. uh, leaving the camp yeah. completely unguarded from sunset to sunrise. So thankfully, we have night owls as well who tend to wake mm-hmm. sort of late morning, sometimes even early afternoon, but they will, they will go right through until 2 or 3 a.m. And then we've got early birds who handle the crossover between the two. So what this enabled the primitive cavemen to do is to have the camp guarded for the majority of the day. You know, the, the only time it wasn't was from say 2am to 4am or 5am. And even then people were kind of aware and awake and we've still got these natural circadian rhythms and it is roughly a third of the population in each. So a third of the population roughly will be early birds. They will naturally rise early these are people who join the 5am club these are the people who post on instagram and say i'm up at 4am building my dreams and doing a kettlebell workout why aren't you you've then got the 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 the, uh, the night owls who 
you know, I've I've got several of these working in our business. They tend to be uh, designers, coders, creatives, um, and they tend to work very, very well if you let them get up at midday and work till two in the morning. And they they do their best work at ten o'clock at night. Um, you know, our designer, I know he does not start work until three p.m. And if I want to get the best work out of him, I need to talk to him at seven or eight o'clock in the evening. Um, asking him right, okay. to do a nine to five job and to fit in with everyone else just does not work. Uh, myself, I'm more of an in-betweener. I've been moved. I used to be more of a night owl, but I've been moved. My circadian rhythm has been shifted by children. <laughs> it's lovely to say, yeah, I, I would naturally get up at 10 in the morning. Uh, not since I've had children yeah. have I slept in till 10 o'clock in the morning. That's a distant memory now. <laughs> Um, yeah. The problem I find is is I am just uh, about an hour later now than than the norm. So I'm I'm definitely not an early bird. I'm not a morning person. You will not find me in the five a.m. club. Um, but I will rise naturally. I don't know eight eight thirty in the morning, which is quite difficult when normally I've got to do the school run. And the kids have to be at school for 8.45 in the morning. I can't roll out of bed 15 minutes before they have to be at school. Wow. So that, that's my biggest struggle yeah. with circadian yeah. rhythms is that the world at large works for early birds. And it works for in-betweeners. If you're a night owl, you will probably resonate with this and say, oh, my God, yeah, I, why do I have to get up at 9 a.m.? Uh, you know, for for wait for the offices to open. If you're an early bird, you're sat outside the gym at 6 a.m. waiting for them to open. Um, but it's identifying, for me, the key thing is identifying which of those circadian rhythms you naturally fall into. And the, the easiest way to find that out is to not set an alarm. Uh, don't set your alarm at the weekend. Yeah. What time do you wake up? You know, if, if, you, if you're awake at seven without an alarm, you're probably an early bird. If you sleep till nine or half nine, you're probably an in-betweener. And if you'd sleep till 10 or 11, you're probably a night owl. Um, and how tired yeah. you are in the days before that. Difficult, you know, when you're in the midst of, of the craziness and busyness of life, but actually try and do it when you're away on holiday and just really just try and, you know, wake up and then you'll kind of, over a period of, you know, a few days, you'll find out where your circadian rhythm is. Obviously, you make a very good point when you have children in the house, your circadian rhythm gets thrown out the window and you're working to, exactly. to get a circadian rhythm. Um, and, uh, yeah, so, so, but I think it's, it's an important point to make because what people will then tend to find is that they'll be able to form, perform better throughout the day. So if you are listening to this and you, you don't yet have kids, take advantage of, of this circadian rhythm. Obviously, you've got work and all the rest yeah, of it. Yeah, enjoy sleep while you can, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Thankfully, I'm through that stage now, so I don't have that problem. But um, uh, and So so when, we thought, when we're talking about um, fitness and nutrition, you know, a lot of the guys listen to us, a lot of our community are extremely busy with, you know, as we've already discussed, with family, with careers and the rest of it. So... You know, enable for them to be able to fit in. You know, the, the either starting training or starting looking at their nutrition and building routines. As we've already discussed, you know, this is going to be a little bit tough whilst you work all of this stuff stuff out. But what would be your kind of recommendations if someone's listening to you saying, "Look, there's just no way. I've got work. I've got family, school run. For you, for me to then fit in exercise and then worry about my diet is just." I just don't have enough hours in the day. You know, that's a common kind of thread. But we all have the same 24 hours in the day, and some do more than others. But I think it's, you know, exactly what you said, is, and it's about getting those routines. So how would you suggest that, you know, listeners kind Absolutely. of start so what, to what, One of the first in? things um, that I talk about in the book is about finding the time because it's one of the, the key questions I always get asked. How do you find the time to get all this done? And the answer yeah. is I don't find the time yeah. because I haven't lost the time. It's not down the back of the sofa. I haven't left it in the car somewhere. It's not underneath the kids' toys or in the Lego yeah. box. It's not lost and I can't find it. What I do is I make the time. And what that means is I am absolutely rigid about my routine and my calendar. I protect my time with my life. Okay. And I plan 
what my weeks, my months, and my days look like. So every week, so for example, we're recording this on a Friday. This afternoon, I will plan everything for next week. I will plan what I'm doing every single day. Uh, I've got a li- literally an A4 sheet okay. and it's got Monday to Friday listed on there and I will block out. So the first thing I would do is I will open up my calendar for next week and I will look at the immovable objects, as I call it. And I think I reference in the book Hulk Hogan versus Andre the Giant from WrestleMania 3, I think it was, um, where I think it was... Um, right. They called it the irresistible, uh, the irresistible force meeting the immovable object, and I, I like to think of my commitments. And when I say my commitments, I don't just mean things I've agreed to for other people, but my commitments to myself as immovable objects. Once something mm-hmm. goes into my little A4 sheet, it gets done. It happens. We there are no excuses. It gets done. So I will start off and I'll look at the calendar and I'll say, right, I've got, so next week, for example, I've got my wife's birthday. Right, that's blocked out. I, I dare not enter anything on that day. That's that's a bit of a special day. Um, I've got, I believe, an all-day meeting, uh, a yeah. mastermind meeting on the Thursday. That's a whole day blocked out. Those two are movable objects. I can do nothing about them. So what I will then do is I will consult my goals, my plan. What do I want to achieve? Well, actually, at the moment, I'm doing some blog posts. I need to get some content writing done. Okay, when can I block that in? I can't do it Tuesday. I've got an immovable object in place on Tuesday. I can't do it Thursday. I've got an immovable object in place on Thursday. What I can do, I can fill in, uh, let's say, 11 a.m. on Monday morning. I can do two hours of focused content writing. That's it. Now, guess what? That is now an immovable object. Um, what I will do, I will fill in my work commitments. I'll fill in right. what I want to achieve. And then I can visually see the week and see, okay, where are the gaps? And again, another thing I will put in there is fitness and nutrition. So I will put into my, uh, I'm currently doing white collar boxing training. So I am in literally two weeks time. I'm stepping into the ring for my first ever and last ever boxing match. And, so I have, at the moment, quite a strict diet and exercise regime. So that's going into my planner. Every Tuesday at 8.30 okay. p.m. is boxing training. Every Thursday at 8.30 p.m. is boxing training. Notice I've got boxing training on the wife's birthday. Thankfully, it's in the evening and we're going out for lunch first. So I have, I have managed to uh, amend that somewhat, that I'm not going to cause any eruptions. Yeah, if you, if you didn't, you might be. Yeah, I'd, I'd be going into of, the fight uh, with a black eye, wouldn't I? Boxing training. <laughs> so I can plan out now, and I will <laughs> literally, if I look at my planner for this week, I've got my meals written down here. I've got what I'm eating every day is on my plan, and that's planned a week in advance. So last Friday, I wrote down what I'm going to eat today. I wrote down what I'm going to eat yesterday. All my all my exercises blocked in. My meal plans are in here, and once it's on here, it's an immovable object. And this is where I find the time. I don't find the time, I make the time. And what I don't then find the time for is vegging out and doing a box set on Netflix and surfing all the news sites or catching up on the latest Brexit shenanigans. Uh, That's the stuff that I don't have time for. That's the stuff that doesn't make it into my consciousness because I am focused on my immovable objects and I fill my gaps with the stuff I want to do. I consciously think first, okay, next week I've, I'm doing two boxing sessions. I also want to fit in another two sessions of cardio and I need to make sure my diet is absolutely on point. So let's plan what next week's going to look like. And then all I've got to do is follow the plan. Yeah. Make a plan, stick to it. That's that's yeah. easy once you've done it and that is a routine and this is a routine i've been following now for about five years and it happens automatically so i immediately know okay. it's friday afternoon i've got yeah. a stack of orange a4 sheets pre-printed next to my desk here ready for me to grab this afternoon and it's just my friday afternoon routine to plan next week i I've, it's just a rule this week ain't over till next week is planned so, 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 I mean, that sounds amazing. It's, it's fantastic. Um, and obviously you are the king of routine. 
but you know you've got to be very disciplined you've doing it been doing it for a long time and obviously you're very you're a very determined guy and um to to, to kind of stick to it but but you know there's there's, there's obviously going to be times in life because it's just life where you do get bumps in the road so you might have this fantastically you know drawn out plan and this is what's going to happen this is ir- irremovable but if you get a phone from the school or if you if your car breaks down or, or the train is late or whatever all of a sudden that can be thrown in you know thrown out the out the window so you know what what do you do when when life does get in the way and, and your routines uh, are broken throw my toys out the then? pram and i metaphorically kick the dog and then i make a new plan and then I stick yeah. to that plan. So yeah, if right. if suddenly the kids are home sick, and you know, when, when I was writing the book, um, I, I planned it out. I was going to write for three days every month. Month one, I got thirty one thousand words down. Absolutely brilliant. House to myself, um, nice and peace and quiet. And then month yeah. two, I had the wife and I think one child home ill, and I had she, you know they were they were stayed out of my way, but ultimately they were in the house. Um, they were watching TV. And I got something like 14,000 words done. So I was less than half as productive just because they were there. But ultimately, I need to make a new plan and I need to stick with it. Um, sometimes, yeah, yeah, stuff happens. And I mean, last week is a good example. I was um, I was traveling up to Leicester. So I'm from Plymouth. I had to travel to Leicester to record the audiobook right. the Routine Machine. So two days in the studio, uh, pretty much half a day on the road driving there two days in the studio. Uh, we then had a, th- a third day where we disappeared to Alton Towers for the day for a client day out and then half a day driving back. So I pretty much spent the whole week either on the motorways of England uh, at a theme park or sat on my ass in a studio. So yeah, keeping on point with diet and exercise was a bit fun last week. So what do I do? Well, I'm a routine machine. So I took my routine rucksack with me. Um, so the blender came with me. Right. Uh, my MCT oil came with me. Um, I right. took mixed nuts. I took some cheese. I took some butter. Um, I took some collagen powder. I took some protein shakes. And I did workouts in my room. I researched the hotel's restaurant menu before I left home and decided what I was going to eat each night before I got there I planned out what I was going to eat in the studio I planned when I was going to eat every yeah. my entire week was planned out still but a lot of people would go oh well I'm a week on the road so yeah I'll just grab a subway you know at the service station and a cup of coffee yeah. and yeah. oh the hotel gym's not very well equipped so yeah I can't really go to the go to the gym no I took three sets of gym clothes with me uh literally I, I had a rucksack which was just full of food and equipment to help me stick to my routines as closely as I possibly can. I took my own pillow with me because I prioritize sleep over everything else. It's just, right. it is that, I mean, where most people fail yeah. at any success is normally in the final six inches. And those final six inches are the ones between your ears. Because it's that mindset. And for me, yeah, I pack my routine rucksack and I tell myself, yeah, I'm a routine machine. I do what I say I'm going to do. And... Yeah. When I tell myself that, and I honestly believe that, I have to act accordingly. I can't tell myself I'm a root. I can't go around saying to everyone I'm a routine machine. I'm a routine. And then the minute I have to spend a few days in a hotel, I'm pigging out on burger and chips and milkshakes and not doing any exercise because no, that's not no. But I, I mean, I think that's a fantastic. Uh, process and a mindset to get in I think you know one thing that I do talk about in our community is and that's adapting you know it's yes you can throw your your toys in the in the air and metaphorically kick the dog but it's about okay so that's not worked and so I need to change it it doesn't mean I can't do it it either means that I need to do it at a different time it either means I need to do it in a different way you know I had a situation a couple of weeks ago where driving the kids to school and we have to drive about 25 minutes to the kids school um we get you know five minutes yeah. away from school and the elder says i forgot my sports kit so you know and, and what happens in my days i train after i've dropped them off from school so straight away my 3k swim goes out the window okay so what do i do now 
right, so I have to bring my run forward and I'll switch my swim to, to the following day. So it's about, it's about adapting. I mean, you know, the, the things that you were saying there about, you know, pre-planning as well, you know, that's really detailed. And I'll take my hat off you, to you for doing that, you know, even to, to the point of, of reading the, the hotel menu. Um, but the other thing I say to people is that if that does happen, you know, and you do get to a hotel and it's not the diet that you want to follow, but by you know, already understanding nutrition, you can make proper informed decisions. And undoubtedly, there will be something on the menu that you can choose, which will still fulfill where you need to be within your diet or nutrition plan at that point. So it's, yeah, knowledge is key and planning, I think, um, is key as well. So I mean, yeah, I, I think your routine is fantastic. And I love the, the routine machine rucksack. That's, oh, it should uh, be, shouldn't it? Yeah, that, absolutely. I'll brand it up there in its own way, way. isn't it? Yeah, definitely. So, you know, you've obviously got a lot of experience in, in running and advising small businesses. And I guess, you know, in doing that, that's obviously helped you hone your own routines and, and build more routines. You've got a, you've established a 1% club. Um, is that something that we can apply to fitness and nutrition? I mean, oh, absolutely. Is, is, I mean, the, is it the sport is actually where the, the, the idea of the 1% um, club came from? Because the 1% club is about marginal gains. It's about breaking everything right. down that you need to be successful into its individual tiny elements, improving each of those elements by 1% and then stitching it back together again. So for the business, it's getting 1% better at selling, 1% better at networking, 1% better at marketing, 1% better at writing copy, 1% better at managing your staff, 1% better at developing your own um, self, 1% better pricing, 1% better at conversion rates. All those individual elements, and we've stacked up more than 250 of them for our business owners to say, like, if you improve these each of these 250 items by yeah. 1% and then add them all together, you actually end up with something like a 400% yeah. gain. Um, but this comes from sport. So the most famous example that I use is Sir Dave Brailsford, um, who absolutely transformed British cycling. So we we Brits used to be an absolute joke when it came to cycling. You know, we, we were... I would. I don't even want to call us also rams because we were that far in the distance. Um, and so Dave Brailsford came along, I want to say 1997, yeah. and became performance director of the British cycling team, Team GB. Yeah. And he literally came up with this idea of marginal gains, that actually if we break every element of what is required to win a bike race down into it, each individual component that contributes to the success everyone else just went well we need bigger muscles we need more aerodynamics and we just need bigger yeah. engines i.e you know more lung capacity to be able to cope with that um whereas so dave went well okay that's great but what about the fatigue what about the recovery what about the uh wicking away of the sweat mm. in the um uh, I was going to say uniforms, and in, in the in the outfits. What about the helmets? Can we redesign those? Um, what about the fact that the support staff get ill, and therefore the athletes don't have access to the best support staff? What What about the fact that we're picking up silly little codes and niggles? What about the fact that there's dust accumulating on the floor of the truck? What about the fact that actually when our athletes are traveling, they're not getting the optimal sleep. And he broke down each of these individual elements and said, right, we're just going to try and get a little bit better at each of these. So he had um, he had a surgeon come into um, the team and show the team how to wash their hands in such a way to prevent infections. Now, this wasn't just for the athletes to keep them healthy. It was to keep the hundreds and hundreds of support yeah. staff healthy because if yeah. if everybody if everybody's attendance jumps up from 95% to 95 to 96% well actually when you need that guy uh, to improve your mindset or to work on this particular element he's available and he's fit and healthy and firing on all cylinders um mm. you know they painted the floors of the trucks white so that they yeah. would notice when the dust was accumulating um Later on, he worked with the Tour de France team, Team Sky, now Team Ineos. And he identified, actually, these guys are spending something like five weeks on the road, traveling around France. They're obviously doing 
you know, 800 miles a day or whatever, and then trying to sleep in a hotel room on a strange mattress, yeah. different mattress every night, different pillow every night. So what they now have is a separate tour bus that follows the entire team around with their own mattress and their own pillow, um, which is why I took my own pillow to Leicester with me last week, to ensure that actually they get a good night's sleep. I mean, how you know, no one else had thought how important it was that athletes mm. get a good night's sleep before asking them to perform at their capacity. Um, and yeah. the results from this were phenomenal. So as I say, British cycling was a complete joke. You know, we were nowhere near winning anything. And since the Dale Brailsford came in, uh, Team GB have won 42 Olympic medals in the last four games, including 24 golds. Uh, and Team Sky, now Team Ineos, have won seven, I believe, seven of the last eight Tour de France's, having never won a Tour de France by a Brit four. So that that all comes from marginal games. And Team GB have now, um, they've now encompassed this across the entire platform. So um, I was reading the other day about the Team GB uh, women's hockey team. And they did exactly this. They, they employed the marginal gains and they just said, well, what matters? Right. Well, what matters is, do I do training yeah. on a Tuesday morning in February when it's really cold outside and I'm still 18 months away from the Olympics. Yes, because that's going to make a 1% difference. Um, I was, um, I had the honor of meeting, um, what's he called? Um, oh, a guy from, uh, he's one of the men's rowers from the 2000 Olympics. And he, well, Oh, not, no, um, no, it was... Yeah, not oh, uh, it called? Steve Redgrave or Matthew Pinson, ben, was it? Ben Hunt Davis, that was it, Ben Hunt Davis. And he was talking, he talks uh, about, will it make the boat go faster? That's his mantra. And so they identified everything, yeah. absolutely every little thing that yeah. would make the boat go faster. So do we go to, you know, they made it to the Sydney Olympics in 2000. Do we go to the opening ceremony? Well, that's going to mean 45 minutes on a bus to get there. We're going to be stood on our feet for about two hours, uh, another 45 minutes on a bus back, and that means we're going to be three hours late to bed. That isn't going to make the boat go faster. So no, so they missed. They had one shot at going to the Olympics. They went. They made it to the Olympics, and they watched the opening ceremony on the telly when they had the chance to go there because... That was a 1% gain. That was a marginal gain that would make their boat go faster. And absolutely every decision. Do I have that difficult conversation with a colleague who isn't pulling his weight or whose mindset isn't in the right place? The easy option is no, we'll let that slide. Will it make the boat go faster? Okay, I'm going to have that difficult conversation. Um, I'm only having this conversation with you because yeah. it will make the boat go faster. Yeah. You know, do, do I go out for a few beers with my mates? Again, nine months before competition will it make the boat go faster no okay that's an easy decision then and this is about the human making a logical decision and programming the computer to say that isn't going to make the boat go faster we do stuff that makes our boat go faster these are the one percent gains that everyone else goes well it's only a beer and you're nine months away from practice or well it's only an it's only an opening ceremony. You're still four days away from competing. These are the small sacrifices that everyone else makes that if you actually focus on it, we always say the small things are the big things. Yeah. And it's so Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I, I agree wholeheartedly with that. I think, um, you know, when, I, when I'm talking to people, um, particularly around, um, well, fitness and nutrition, really, it's, you know, and like you said there, oh, it's only one beer, or oh, it's only one piece of chocolate, or it's only one slice of cake. How many times do you say it's only? How many times do you say, oh, I only miss one session? Um, one of the things that I have is is I hate doing a cool down in the pool when I'm swimming. But it's And, and it's only 200 metres when I've probably sw swam 3Ks. But if I do that every time I swim, yeah. you add that up over a course of a year, I'll probably miss out on 10Ks of swimming. So, you know, it's, it's little things. So I think that the message really is, 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 is basically just having, sitting down and reflecting on um, what you do in your daily lives and where you can make these little tiny changes 
to enable you to be able to maybe be a little bit more focused on your training, i.e. being able to do the training in the first place, or or on your diets because you want to drop the fat or, or you know, you want to get your body composition a little bit better, where can you maybe cut out a Kit Kat or maybe, maybe where can you introduce something just small which gives you that 1% gain? So I think that's a very valuable um, kind of mantra to really take away. Where is that 1% really that you can, you can pick up on? So, John, what would you say are the five key actions that the listeners could take away today to, to kind of build okay, so in the, a routine that will one, help them on their um, fitness and nutrition journey? Arguably the most important is to change one thing. Um, try and let's, let's aim for those marginal gains, yes. But what I yeah. don't want you to do, if, if you're listening to this and you're thinking, right, I want to change my, my health and fitness, is to say, right, okay, as of tomorrow, I'm up at 4 a.m., I'm doing kettlebells, I'm having a green smoothie, uh, I'm going to have salad for lunch, and then I'm going to do a 5K in the afternoon, and then I'm going to – no, 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 no. Let's do one thing. Yeah. Um, because ultimately, you can have the Instagram routines of, oh, yeah, or the Mark Wahlberg routine. <laughs> have you ever seen that list of everything that he does in a day? Um, you can have that, but you can't go yeah, yeah. from, uh, let's say, Peter Griffin to Mark Wahlberg <laughs> or Homer Simpson to Mark Wahlberg. You can't just flip the switch and go from one to the other. So what you need to do is if you are currently Homer Simpson, you need to change one thing. You need to say, okay, maybe I'll have one less donut tomorrow or you know, maybe I will walk to work. I just, I'm going to change one thing. And once that one habit is embedded, then we can add another. Then we can look at the next marginal gain. Um, the second thing I would say is let's make it easy, okay? Again, let's not make it too hard and say, right, okay, uh, I want to lose weight, so I'm going to run a 5K every day from a standing start. Uh, okay, yeah, that's great. Let's build up to that. Let's yeah. make it nice and easy. Um, if, you want to, if you want to run a 5K, that's great. Get the app that's what is it, uh, Couch to 5K. Um, the way that will start is by having a visual clue. And this is a really, really good hack for getting a routine in place, is having a visual clue that reminds you to take the action that is new and at the moment foreign to you. So I want to run every day before work. Good. Night before, uh, before you go to bed, night before, get your running kit out, put your trainers by the front door. Because the hardest bit about going for a run in the morning is lacing your trainers and walking out walking out the front door. Yeah. So let's make sure that happens. Because once your kit is on, your trainers are on, yeah. and you're out the front door, guess what? You're doing it. You're already, you've got the momentum, but it's that inertia that stops most people. Yeah, exactly. Um, the third thing I would say yeah. is, uh, well, third thing I learned from yeah. my... Um, Dog training. You probably heard my dog barking at the uh, at an Amazon delivery earlier in this in this podcast. And we took Chewy, our little cockapoo, um, <laughs> to puppy classes when we first had him. And very quickly, um, the trainer there taught me that what gets rewarded gets repeated. So when I want Chewy to sit on his bed, and he does that, and I reward him with a click and a little bit of sausage. Guess what? He will now do that all the time because he knows that when I sit on my bed, I get a sausage. What gets rewarded gets repeated. And it's the same for you, for humans. For, yeah. It works for kids. You give a kid a star chart and say, if you go to bed on time every night for a week, you get a little sticker on your star chart. And when you've got seven stickers or 10 stickers, you get a frozen DVD. And when you get 20 stickers, it's a night out at the cinema. And when you get 100 stickers, it's a new Xbox game. That works, and it works for humans, for adults too. You know, when you um, when you get that little streak, you know, we used, we had a one of our one percent club coaching clients who needed to do income generating stuff for his business, and we said to him, right, get some little green sticky dots, stick them on your wall planner every day. You do some income generating tasks, stick a green dot on your on your wall planner. When you've got five of them, go and have a Starbucks. When you've got ten of them, uh, go and have lunch at your favorite restaurant. When you've got 25 of them, have a meal out with your wife. Um, when you've got 100 of them, have a weekend break somewhere. Just reward yourself. Say, right, when I do the work, I get a sticker. When I get X number of stickers, I get a reward. Because what gets rewarded gets repeated. 
Um, number what are we on? Number four. Uh, notice the signposts cool. yeah. is my fourth bit of advice here because when you are on the path of changing your routines, you don't get immediate feedback. Okay, when you suddenly start eating healthily, uh, and I, well, actually, good example. I had this for the boxing training. Um, three weeks, I believe it was, into the boxing training, uh, I had done three weeks of intense cardio. I thought I was quite fit, but honestly, boxing training has been just the hardest thing I've ever done. And I've done this. I've kept my diet absolutely on point. And I stood on the scales and I saw a one pound loss after three weeks of hard work. And I thought, why the hell am I doing this? And then I remembered that there is always a delay between the feedback, between the results, uh, sorry, between getting the feedback and getting the results. So three weeks of hard work. I've had the pain already. I've put in the hard work and I've had the pain of doing the work. What I haven't got is the results, but I know that if I stay on the path, I am seeing you know that one pound loss is a signpost. It's not the final result. It's a signpost that actually, yes, your body fat is dropping. Yes, your waist circumference is dropping. Yes, you are getting more powerful. And now here I am uh, six weeks in and I'm no, I'm, I can look in the mirror and I can see results. I can stand on the scales and I can see results, but I also know I'm still two weeks away from fight night, and that's when I get my final results. That's when I get my final scorecard. Um, but ultimately, it's noticing that signpost because otherwise, it's very easy to give up right. to say I've got the pain of doing the hard work, but I haven't got the results yet. And the fifth and final one is staying on that path. It is just putting one foot in front of the other. When you notice the signposts, you know you're on the right path, and when you're on that path. All you need to do is stay on it and say, I'm going to be the person who does what they say they're going to do. I'm going to stick to the plan and I'm just going to keep putting one foot in front of the other. Yeah, I think I think that final point is very, very key. And it's consistency, consistency. You know, like you say, if things are not going to happen overnight, unfortunately, we live in a, a an a, what I call an Amazon economy where we want everything now. You know, you click buy and it comes to you in under 24 hours. And particularly around fitness and nutrition, yes, you can make big gains early on. But for you to make real gains and real progress, you have to be consistent and you have to keep at it. And like you say, you know, look at the signpost for the, for the, the little marginal gains that you're making and a little bit of progress you're making um and i think if you really want to dial it in you know looking at the one percent is really really key so before we we wrap up the call uh john um is there anything that um i didn't ask you uh, I which think, I, well which you feel i should have asked you that will benefit the listeners possibly what the best routine is in terms of the best bang for your buck the best return on investment and we have touched on it a couple of times throughout the call. So I'm going to give the listeners just a little yeah. few seconds there to see if they can work out what it is, what we have talked about a couple of times that I've done, that uh, the British cycling team have done, that the Team GB women's hockey team have done, that many of our 1% club members have done. And that is yeah. to optimize your sleep. And for me, this is the key routine that underpins everything you do. If you want to perform better at anything, uh, if you want to make more money in your business, if you want to do better at the next 5K, if you want to swim faster, if you want to make be able to make better decisions, and that can be any type of decision, whether that's learning a new skill, whether that's... Um, working you know being a good better leader or whether that's deciding whether you're going to eat carbs or not today sleep will make that difference um last year it was i i read uh why we sleep by matthew walker I, I love this yeah. book it, ironically um i run a business coaching club and this was my book of the year so in, in the entire year that i read a load of business books my book of the year was a book that isn't about business at all uh, that is a 13 and a half hour long audiobook that you could sum up in three words get more sleep. But ultimately, there's, there, there is nothing that isn't benefited from Absolutely. getting more sleep. And if there's one routine you hack, 
honestly, going to bed at a reasonable hour yeah, I mean, at the same that, time every funny. night and waking up at the same time every night. And I mean, I, I, I've obviously I'm a routine machine. I've taken it to the nth degree. I know where two sleep tracking devices. I've got a pillow that's customized for me. I've got yeah. a mattress that's customized for me. I track everything. So I know uh, when I train late at night, how does that affect my sleep? When I eat X, does this affect my REM sleep? Does it affect my deep? I've taken it to the nth degree, but ultimately if you can, if you want to know where to start with all the routines you could hack, the one that is going to give you the biggest bang for your buck that will influence absolutely everything is getting more. Yeah, absolutely. And it's funny. I recorded a video this morning and I posted it up on our social channels around sleep because sleep is, you know, sleep is when the body shuts down, it rests and recovers. Um, and also, you know, when you are sleep deprived, that affects your diet because your body naturally will be yeah. fatigued and you'll naturally crave these pickups. So it will be sugar, it will be caffeine, things like that, that your body will crave. And that's because you're sleep deprived. Um, and I think it's, it's something like if you are 10% sleep deprived, you're 50% less productive. Um, it's uh, some statistic like that is quite um, alarming, actually. So, yeah, I 100% agree with that. And then the other thing you said, obviously, in there around around sleep and, and going to bed at the same time, getting up at the same time, that's consistency. It comes back to consistency again. So, yeah, I think that's uh, that's fantastic, John. And thank you very, very much for coming on today. So I expect all of our listeners to take this and, and become their own routine machines. Um, and, uh, yeah maximize the, the 24 hours in the day that we all have so um thanks very much john for being on the podcast today and uh, i'll look forward to catching up with you again soon but before we go how can people um connect with you what's your Absolutely. website so, yeah, routine machine routine is available book, on all good bookstores um, as long as they're called channels. amazon um, it's, it's available to buy now. Um, you can also get a free chapter of the book um, at our website, <laughs> which is routinemachine.co.uk. Um, again, contact details are also on there. You've also got uh, there's some blog, some weekly emails, and obviously there's also our own podcast as well. So yeah, routinemachine.co.uk. Uh, the podcast is called Ambitious Lifestyle Business. So as the name suggests, what, it's for business what's owners the podcast who want to called, build. John? a lifestyle business. So uh, they want to work to live, not live to work, uh, but who do have some ambitions to actually grow and work in a more 1% gains way. Fantastic. Thanks for having Fantastic. me, Fantastic. That's great, John. Thanks very much for your time and we'll speak again soon. Thanks for listening to the Fitter Healthier Dad podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, please hit subscribe and I would really appreciate if you could leave a review on iTunes all the links mentioned in the episode will be in the show notes and a full transcription is over at fitterhealthierdad.com. <laughs>